I'm Chad Main, founder of legal services company Percipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology and innovation in the legal industry. On today's show, I'm talking to Jazz Hampton. He's the CEO and co-founder of TurnSignal. That's a cell phone app that lets people connect directly to lawyers in real time during traffic stops and encounters with law enforcement. De-escalation. You're going to hear that term a lot on today's show. De-escalation is what my guest Jazz Hampton and a couple buddies of his from school set out to achieve when they founded TurnSignal. They wanted to create an app that users could use during interactions with law enforcement that would provide access to legal help in real time with the hopes that it would de-escalate those sometimes tense situations. Prior to founding TurnSignal, Jazz is a public defender. He ended up doing commercial litigation at one of Minneapolis's top law firms, and it was then and there that he started to wonder if he was putting his legal skills and his law degree to their best use after an acquaintance of his, Philando Castile, was killed by police during a stop in 2016. As we will hear, Jazz is no stranger to police stops either. In his life, he's been stopped 12 times, but never once did an arrest occur or was he issued a ticket. Although it was the killing of Philando Castile that planted the seed for turn signal in Jazz's mind, it wasn't until the 2020 killing of George Floyd that Jazz and his friends decided they couldn't wait any longer and they needed to do something about it, and that's when they put the wheels in motion to found turn signal. As we'll hear from Jazz, the main goal of the app is to defuse encounters with law enforcement, which unfortunately, as we all know here in America, can be very frequent and tragic. In fact, just last week in Minneapolis, Jazz's hometown, another young life was lost when police shot Amir Locke while executing a no-knock warrant. But as we'll hear, Turn Signal is not an anti-law enforcement app by any means. In fact, Jazz's brother has law enforcement training. No, the main goal of the Turn Signal app is to de-escalate police stops so that all parties involved feel safe and that the best and most just result occurs. Just before Jazz and I had our conversation, the Turn Signal crew found out that they were one of 15 legal startups that will be featured at the ABA Tech Show next month here in Chicago in the Legal Tech Startup Alley. Opening night of the tech show... The 15 companies will face off in a pitch competition, and the winner gets a package of marketing and advertising prizes. Working in law for so long, I know the ABA so well and all all of the different groups, and uh, the ABA has my respect. So to be on that stage with the other 14 companies that are doing great work uh, is is an honor for TurnSignal. I'm I'm really stoked about it. What all does that entail? Like, What's all involved in the the tech show competition there for the startups? Yeah, so we're going down there uh, here. I believe it's the right in the beginning of March, and we're we're all on stage doing a pitch, explaining what our companies are, what they do, and you know how they're working in the, in the field of law. Uh, and and that's reviewed by judges, and they choose the winner ultimately. But the the short list was those twenty five companies they voted on to put fifteen on stage. So this is the next step in that. You started the company when was it last year or a year prior? Around August of 2020 is when we started. Uh, myself and my two co-founders all left our jobs in the middle of a pandemic. I actually told my boss, my the the managing partner of the law firm that I worked at at the time, two days after I found out my wife was pregnant with our third child. So it was the timing was, you know, impeccable. Yeah. Hey, new kid coming. Let's start a company. Let's great, start. Great, great move. Great yeah. Move. But speaking of which, that leads me to the question. I mean, you're a public defender. You end up a commercial litigator at one of Minneapolis's best law firms. I made the jump myself, you know, legal entrepreneurship. So I, I know my reasons, but I always like to hear them from other people. What was the possessed you to do it? We're here in Minnesota, which has become the epicenter of a call for social change, right? And uh, myself being a black lawyer, there's only 5% of us in, in the legal field. People who want to innovate in a certain space usually personally touch that space, right? And so with all of the things that happened in Minnesota over the last two, four, six years, you know, starting with Philando Castile, 
George Floyd and, you know, even uh, Dante Wright just days before we launched our platform. Uh, what I started saying was, I'm a lawyer with expertise in this area, and I've been to all the protests and the visuals, but what have I done personally to build something that can actually make change, sustainable change that can go forward? I'm not part of the legislature. I can't change laws, but I can build something uh, in our current situation to, to maybe help make a difference. This sounds like something that was building over time. It wasn't that day in August you said, ah, I just came up with this today. I'm going to do this today. What was it that finally pushed you over the edge then? Because Philando Castile, that was kind of the first thing that set you on this path, right? The incident with him that predated George Floyd by a couple of years, right? Correct. I remember I was, I was practicing law and I, and I was in my law firm and Philando happened and I got up, I left my desk that day in the middle of a work day and I went to one of the visuals and I was just standing there in community and I was like, wow, this is just incredibly hard to believe that we can't. And you, you knew him too, right? Uh, so you, you knew him. My, my two co-founders um, who I've known for over you know two, a decade, and they've known each other since they were three years old, they grew up in, in growing up with the Castile family. They played sports with the Castiles. Uh, Andre, one of the co-founders, went to the school that Philando worked at. You know, this is like, it's not like a, oh, I live in Wisconsin and this happened across the border in Minnesota. This was our community, right? And so what are we going to do? And so we started talking about those conversations and them being both my co-founders being MBAs, incredibly smart guys, one in tech sales, one in uh, in uh, his background in accounting. We had all of the different kind of uh, backgrounds to come together and make a solution, myself with the law and computer science undergrad degree. So we started talking about it then and then George Floyd happens. And it really was an awakening moment, I think, for the country. It's really difficult to articulate what happened throughout the country and why this spurred it. I mean, the video was pretty visceral, but I think that was the moment where we said, you know what, I will not feel right if I don't leave and do something to try to build change here. We always say we're an app to bridge the gap. We want police officers to feel safer as they approach cars to start that de-escalation process. My brother graduated from a law enforcement program right here in the state of Minnesota, right? And so we are saying, if you feel more comfortable approaching the car, the whole situation will start off on the right foot. But it sounds like this was something that was percolating with you for a while. And then the, the, the Floyd situation was the catalyst that finally you said, I need to do something about this. Absolutely. Use my skills. And yeah. Yeah. It was the, the death of George Floyd. The murder of George Floyd was the straw that broke the camel's back for me career wise. I was like, if I don't go do this now, uh, I, would, I don't know if I couldn't sleep at the time. And I, and I still wouldn't be able to, I don't think, if I didn't leave to try to do something. Whether we're successful or not, or whether we're a small piece of a larger mosaic, uh, I felt like personally we had to do something. Well, and this is personal to you too. I, I saw somewhere that you yourself have been pulled over. Is it 12 times? Yeah, 12 times I've been pulled over and I've never in my life received a ticket. That says a lot. I think I could spend the next 30 minutes talking about that alone. I've had you know officers ask me to open my trunk. I've had an officer tell me, uh, a young kid from the inner city doesn't often uh, drive a car this nice, so drive slower because uh, you'll get pulled over every time. I've done field sobriety tests where I was asked questions that uh, I had to use my law degree and my knowledge of law to answer. Uh, and through all those situations, especially in the more in my later years of being pulled over after becoming a lawyer, I, I always kept thinking to myself, I have a knowledge of law that I wish everyone else had. And no video or, or know your rights campaign can really ingrain it in you when you're terrified and when you're pulled over and, and you're feeling uneasy. But an, an attorney there in the car with you on a video conference to walk you through what you should and shouldn't be doing, that can help in a way that nothing else, no know your rights campaigns can as effectually. 
obviously this is undeniably would be frustrating and could piss you off. It probably did piss you off. But instead of focusing on the anger, you, you've already alluded to this. The app is all sides, the person getting pulled over and the law enforcement too. You just mentioned de-escalation. You know, you've built that with that in mind. So what was it about the situations you had and that you could have focused on the negative and, hey, these guys are stopping me and, and harassing me because I'm a black male. Instead of focusing on that, you decided to also, you know, open it up so make an app that the cops can feel safer too. What was it that made you go both routes instead of focusing on one or the other than the other? You know, I think uh, we always talk about the ecosystem of social justice. There's everyone, whether it's uh, the way Rosa Parks addressed things, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. And I think there is a place for everyone and everyone's style in that ecosystem. And mine personally is one where I, you know, I think I'm a lawyer where I try, I'm saying, hey, if I can sit down, I can talk with you and I can use my words to explain how there's a really solid middle ground here, or we can have a joint understanding of things. And I think that's just my personality. And thankfully, my two co-founders align with that as well. And I think it's just more universal. We live in a time and a country that is very divided. And I didn't want to be a, a further wedge in that divide. And I think, in fact, the opposite, we can be a bridge for that divide. And so that's the way we went about it. So before we launched Turn Signal, we went and met with over 15 police officers. Now it's over 20 to talk about Turn Signal and say, hey, we're building this system. What would you like to see in it that would make you feel safer? I can't promise everything that you would like, but tell me how I can move the needle closer and tell me about the conversations I can have with law enforcement so they know that this is an anti-police app. This is an app to bridge the gap and to make sure that drivers' rights are protected and they're going home safe, that police feel safer as they approach the car, that municipalities don't spend $3 billion in police settlements over the next decade like we did in the last decade, right? And that we can focus all of those efforts and funds into something more productive. What was the general reaction when you started talking to these 15 law enforcement agencies? Because I could, I mean, my gut reaction that we tell me that is if I'm a police officer, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm having a hard enough time pulling people over. They're mad because they're getting pulled over. I don't need a lawyer on a cell phone chiming in and, and be, be causing more frustration. So what was the general reaction from law enforcement? I think my favorite conversation I had, and I was actually having this with a police officer over a beer. Uh, we grabbed happy hour together and I explained the platform, explained where we're coming from. And he said, you know what, Jazz, I feel like this is going to be really similar to body cameras. When body cameras came out, officers were like, oh, this is like now they're going to watch every moment. But as time progressed, what happened was the officers who are doing a great job and the vast majority of them and day in, day out are doing their job right. And maybe things were said that they didn't say or said that they didn't do. Now they're like, oh, please check the body camera. I'm so glad that it was here to corroborate what really happened and me doing my job the right way. Uh, but in the onset, it was a little worrisome for them. And that officer said, you know what, I feel like turn signal is going to be a lot like that in the same way. Because one of the use cases we always talk about is how many times have you, you know, in a state where it's sufficient probable cause, seen marijuana in a car and said, you know what, I'm going to search the car now. And the person who thought they knew their rights, but they didn't said, oh, you can't search my car. I don't consent. I won't allow it. And it escalated and became a much bigger thing. What if there's an attorney there saying, hey, you know what, that is sufficient, reasonable, articulate suspicion for probable cause. And you should step out of the car and, and follow their orders. But don't worry, we can connect you. You can have an attorney and we can take care of this on the back end. That's a step that wouldn't have been there. Uh, and for my times, like you said, as being a public defender, uh, when I was a certified attorney in, in, in Anoka and in, in Ramsey County, people trust their lawyers and really will listen to what they're saying and, and follow through on what they're asking them to do. And so if we can do that in the car too, it's, it's really valuable. If you're pitching a customer, how do you describe your app? 
Yeah, so Turn Signal is an app that anyone can have on their phone with the press of a button or a voice command if you set that up. It instantaneously starts recording the interaction when you're pulled over or in an accident. And an attorney will be there on a video conference for you 24-7, 365 when you need it. And the mission is simple. It's to de-escalate roadside interactions, to protect drivers' civil rights, and to make sure that drivers and law enforcement return home safely at the end of every day. Uh, and at the end of that, you'll have a video that is a picture-in-picture video, kind of uh, like the good old days. Uh, one half is what your front face camera saw. The other half is the attorney. And it's saved your cloud. So uh, whether your phone breaks, drops in water, or dies, you'll have that video available to you in the cloud that you can pull down onto your device whenever you need it after that. So going back to your founders, your buddies, the co-founders, I think I heard, I heard on one of their podcasts, you guys are the legal Avengers. Is that, is that right? <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Our text thread is, uh, you know, you can name text threads. Uh, us three, uh, our text thread is the Telelegal Avengers. Because uh, Telelegal is a space that didn't exist. Everyone started doing telemedicine more and more here during the pandemic. And Telelegal doesn't really exist. And we say Avengers because it's like the movie. We all have such different skill sets that we're using that come together, hopefully, to solve a problem, right? Uh, Andre being a, an accountant with, and he worked at Cargill and Spire Credit Union and an accounting, uh, accounting firm. He has that knowledge with his MBA. Uh, Michael was a, a tech sales guy. He was at Sony Electronics doing enterprise sales forever. And I have a computer science degree with uh, law, uh, you know, my experience in law. And I was the director of diversity inclusion over a 300 person firm, which helps when we start talking to businesses. So all of these together, uh, different skill sets. Uh, we just jokingly said it one day and it stuck where we, you know, our text thread, the Telelegal Avengers. So that's absolutely, that's it. And you know your co-founders because you went to school at some point in your life with each of them, right? I met Michael when I was a sophomore and he was a freshman at the University of St. Thomas. We played football together. And Michael and on- What position? Uh, well, we both played the bench a lot, if you were to ask me about the games. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was a free safety and he was a linebacker. And that's when I met Michael uh, a decade ago. But Michael and Andre, and so I met Andre at the same time because they've been friends since they were three years old. They grew up uh, in the church together over in St. Paul. Um, and so they've known each other forever. So it's it's many years. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of startups, employees and, and relationships are a big part of how successful they are. And we can really move at the speed of trust because we've known each other for, you know, so long. Yeah, and it's important that you have in the co-founders that, especially the ones you obviously can trust you've known is, is very key. So you, you mentioned the term telelegal. You referenced telemedicine. Who was it or when was it that this idea first materialized? When was your aha moment? I think, you know, as, as co-founders, we just started talking about ways we can go about it. Definitely myself personally, because of my background in computer science, even after Philando, I started thinking, you know, what can we do video-wise? I think what Philando's tragic death sparked for me was we saw this whole thing on video and he shared it to others in the moment. And there's a feeling when you're in those pullover situations for a lot of folks, especially the black community right now, where it's like, I just want someone to see this because I think that they'll believe me, they'll know what happened, and there will be no question about it. And that's great. And we want that. But my turning point then was, but what if we can put someone in the seat that can help in the moment? Everything is reactionary with a, with a Facebook Live or just a recording video. It's subsequent. Oh, maybe we can. there will be prosecution that will come from the video or there will be uh, a lawsuit from the video. But what if none of those had to happen? What if we could just stop those bad things from happening with someone who has knowledge of what you should and shouldn't do in the moment? Don't get me wrong. If an officer says to step out of the car and a, and a turn signal attorney uh, says, you know, I don't believe that's that you legally have to step out of the car, 
we're still going to encourage them to follow the rules because we want them to be safe, right? Uh, that's always going to be the goal. Safety is, is paramount. However, then at least you have the right to, you know the right to assert in that moment, and then you can move forward from there. When we come back in just a couple of minutes, Jazz tells us about a situation in which the Turn Signal app diffused a situation in real life. He also talks about the future plans of the company. All right, we're just about to get back to my talk with Jazz Hampton, the co-founder and CEO of Turn Signal. But before I do, as I always do, I want to let you know that if you go to tlpodcast.com, you can find more information about our guests and links to some of the stuff we talk about. Also, if you want to subscribe, you can pretty much find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify, Google, etc. And while you're there, I hope that you not only subscribe, if you like us enough, I hope you give us a favorable review. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Jazz Hampton, the CEO of Turn Signal. Have you had a situation where video from a turn signal interaction has been used for defense, you know, civilly or, or criminally? Has it happened yet? It has not happened yet. But one of the, my favorite stories of, of turn signal um, is a driver, and he signed a form and allows us to talk about this. <laughs> a driver was pulled over at uh, 1.37 in the morning, and he was worried about uh, whether he's going to be taken into custody. He was scared in the moment. And he got the attorney on the line before the officer was was at the door. The first thing the officer said when he came up to the window and knelt down was, can you turn off your phone? And uh, at that moment, the attorney was able to say, hi, I'm an attorney from Turn Signal. Are you familiar with our service? And the, the police officer looked in the camera and said, okay, you can leave it on then. And they went about the problem. Oh, great. Right? And so great. that is the moment that we're looking for. And it's actually just, it's not the biggest deal. It's not uh, whether I'm going to be pulled out of the car, or but it's, it's a small uh, aspect of your rights that are being asserted. Um, and I always call it the parent effect, right? When you're like, oh, I can't come over. My dad said, I, I'm not allowed to have a sleepover tonight, right? It's now I'm not the bad guy anymore. I'm being told, I'm relaying what I'm being told from this attorney that's on the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, I don't consent to the search because the attorney said, you know, I don't, I don't have to. It makes you not the bad guy anymore, right? And the attorneys right. on the platform are glad to, to be the bad guy and, and to take the, the brunt of that. And that's a great example. And that person was able, I think the traffic stop was over 30 minutes uh, and they were able to, they didn't consent to the search of the car. The officers were cordial and nice during the interaction. They didn't write a ticket and they let that person go home that night. And during that interaction, they were worried if they were going to have to call their kids and let them know that they were going to be incarcerated. It's a really good example of something that happened at 1.37 in the morning uh, that is a real good use case for what TurnSignal can do and what it is doing in real life right now. There was de-escalation in real life. That happened right there. Your, your goal was met in that one. If, if you were to never do anything else again, I mean, that you did it there. So that's, that's great. And it means bodes well for the future. And also to this kind of de-escalation, making the interactions better, you also offer stickers for your car, right? So hopefully law enforcement, the, the, the cop pulling the person over has enough familiarity with your service. They see the sticker, they know, all right, we've got a different situation here that, that might be <laughs> turn out better for everybody. That's exactly right. And that was the reason for the sticker. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you have the ringing or the ADT yard sign in your yard. It kind of lets everyone know what everyone in this house is doing to make sure that everyone's staying safe in that moment. And also putting the police officer on notice. But again, that's why we reach out to the law enforcement uh, community. So they know when they see that sticker, what it means and what that car interaction is going to be like. And to your de-escalation point, 
every attorney, so attorneys can like go onto our website, type in their name and their bar license and become attorneys on the platform. They request to be onboarded. We work through the onboarding process. Then they have to go through de-escalation training that's provided by a third-party organization that they can learn a little bit more about how to interact during those stops. And then we allow them on the platform once they've confirmed that they've gone through the training. So again, another step that we've taken to make sure that we can make it as safe and as, as pleasant of an interaction as possible. So it seems to me your pitch to attorneys, if, they, if they're vetted and they're qualified and you know, they go through the training and you approve them, the pitch to them is, the benefit to them is, you know, this could turn in to business for them because some of these interactions are going to turn into charges and tickets and stuff like that. Is, is that what you, is that kind of the aim for the attorneys that join? Yeah, I think it's one of the positives, absolutely, that they've seen is that, hey, you know, we had one attorney who answered a call one night and the guy that was on the phone with them said, hey, this is a really great interaction. I have another pending charge or, or a charge coming up. Would you be able to help me with that? got the email and, and phone number, and he retained that attorney for that other matter, right? A great example of client development. But we talked to a group of attorneys uh, in Florida, and the managing partner of that firm said, if I never have a case onboarded from TurnSignal, it'll still be worth being on the platform. Because what it's doing is, you know, all of those companies and people and law firms, especially the big ones, put out so many statements on, you can go look, June 1st, 2020, that Blackout Tuesday or whatever it was on, on Instagram. Everyone was putting out statements about what they were going to do, how they're going to be a part of the solution, how they're here and they're listening and they're learning. But how did they follow up? And this is a great example of how to do it to say, hey, and their email signature, I'm a TurnSignal certified attorney. And if, if someone is in need, I'm here and my phone will ring and I will be there to help them and answer in that moment. Because what is it? If it's 20 minutes and you were able to help someone through a really traumatic or scary situation that they're in. What better way to build a brand as an attorney and, and what you really stand for? Um, it's a lot better than being labeled as an ambulance chaser or, you know, a random right. criminal attorney, right? So it's a, it's a really good opportunity for them in that sense. You did something in the moment that was actually beneficial. You're, you're kind of the opposite of an ambulance chaser. You're not, you know, you're, you're doing something on, from the get-go. So it sounds like attorneys are not paid for that initial interaction when they become turn signal certified attorneys. That's correct. Turn signal, it's a consultation. And so they aren't paid by either us or the drivers. The drivers, uh, I always say, you know, they pay $6.99 a month or $6 a year. If they can't afford it, we let them on for free. But no matter what, if, if you pay $69.99 or $60 uh, a year, you can use it a million times or you can use it one time and the price will never change. We're like Netflix. You can watch one show or you can binge them all, uh, but it's going to be the same price no matter what. So it's pretty easy to see how the the, the user gets the app going, either they go to the, their phone and click it, or they say, hey, Siri, you know, I'm getting pulled over and it pops up, which that's a really cool feature. But if I'm an attorney on the other end, how do I get notified that, hey, there's a situation here I need to weigh in on? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. It's actually just like um, any app on your phone. Uh, let's use uh, uh, Instagram or uh, your text app, for example. Um, it just sits on your phone idle. Even if you hard close uh, the app, it's still running at all times. And if a call, if someone hits that button, your phone rings and you can choose whether you want or do not want to answer at that time. And then from there, you can also within the app, you can open it and you can say, I'm not available. So if your kid's basketball game or you're, you're busy that, at that time and you can't answer calls, you can just say, I'm not available. So you can be on whenever you want, um, whether it's the middle of the night or if you are in a deposition and you can't be. Um, you can just click, I'm not available. And then when you're ready again, click, I'm available. And they'll just ring to your phone and you can choose to answer it. So while we're on the subject of the app and the tech involved, you know, you got the idea, tell a law, this 
comes to, to be a real thing, what's the first thing you guys do to actually develop it? Did you hire a development team? I know you've got a computer science background. Did you do the coding? What were the first steps? Yeah, I think my computer science background really informed that it would be too long of a process to, to do on our own. So we hired a, a team and, I, and it, it helps that I can speak tech a little bit. Uh, so, so we're able to work with them in partnership to really develop it quickly. You know, we, I think the development process still took about, about a year um, it was, or maybe longer. Was it, was it a dev shop? Yeah. Was it a dev it shop? It was a dev shop here. Uh, in, in Minnesota? In Minnesota. I actually went to middle school with the with the guy who runs and, and founded the dev shop. So it, it was really helpful to, to have a partner like that. But, you know, it still takes time. It was about a year uh, from start to finish of when we put pen to paper to, to having that available to folks. And, and, and it's always, you know, it's ever changing. We just, we're making a, a update that we're going to release here in a little bit that we're really excited about, but you know, it took about two months to, to make an update. So it's a process, but we're excited about it. And we know it's, it's great for our customers in, in Minnesota, Georgia, and, and soon to be California. How do you beta test it? I mean, you, I guess you could have people go out and haul ass <laughs> on the streets and get pulled over to that, but what, what did you do to, to yeah, test it Yeah, yeah. I think the beta testing process actually was part of the great part of talking to law enforcement. I was able to talk to people like uh, Nate in St. Paul, who's a police officer, and say, hey, uh, what's the timing like uh, from when they're stopped to when you get to the car? Typically, I'm sure it varies. Learning about that process helped us set up. We put about 150 people in our in our beta group uh, to, to see how it would go and to try to get a pullover. But the fact of the matter is you have to get in, in real life before you can get those pullovers. So uh, we can run tests here internally as a, as a team of of, okay, you're stopped now. We walk up to the window. What was the timing like? How fast did they answer? But it really wasn't until we were in market that we had a real police-involved uh, interaction uh, on the platform. How are you deciding what jurisdictions to target? You know, you just said California's coming up. You got Minnesota, you got Georgia. What's next? How do you decide? Yeah, it's a mix between uh, who's, a, who's a good customer from what we've built out in our customer personas to what the laws are in different jurisdictions and how friendly that would be, how big the populations are. It's really a multi-factored test, if I can sound like the Supreme Court for a second, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but it's a multi-factored test that we go through and attorney interest, right? So we were working on D.C., Maryland, Virginia for a bit, but then California was just really excited uh, to have the service there. And so we started uh, engaging and, and turning our focus to California. But then, you know, Florida uh, is an interesting, it's the wild west of laws and, and, and other things, especially with police interactions. So it's interesting whether you want to go in there early or, or be able to, you know, hold off and, and go a little later. So we'll see where Florida falls on the timeline here. I'm in Chicago. I got a multi-factor <laughs> test here. Chicago is right for turn signal, let me tell you. Yeah. So I saw you bootstrapped. Is that still the case? Are you looking for money? Did you are you finding money? I saw you were in a tech incubators yeah, there yeah. in uh, Minneapolis. What's the funding situation been? Yeah, so we did. We had a, a, a one round of funding that we closed out uh, in January, or we closed out last year in in twenty twenty one, and it looks like we'll have a, another round here in I'd say in the beginning of summer or or midsummer. Really, because what we did with the first round of funding, which was a successful raise, was. We said, this is the money we're going to use to prove out the system that works, how to expand to a new market, how to market to the folks that are in that market, how to let them know about our services. And then once we're there, we can take on additional funding that is just pouring fuel on the fire and saying, now that we have a, a process that's repeatable, all we need is, is funds to do that. So that's the next round that we're going to do here in, it looks like I'd say around June. And hiring a dev shop is not cheap usually. What was it that motivated you to bootstrap? Versus, you know, most tech founders nowadays just come up with an idea and a pitch deck and go raise money and then they build. 
why did you guys do it the other way around? Which I think is cool. I think I, I prefer that way, but yeah. I think, you know, autonomy is, is always big. The more big money you have in the room, the less you can really make decisions that align with what you want to do as an organization, especially an organization with a social bend. You know, we can make money and we, we plan on making money so we can employ more and more people from community and, and keep growing as an organization. However, uh, autonomy is really important. But a dev shop is, it's a catch-22. They're really expensive. They're more expensive than having someone in-house. Uh, but having someone in-house that you consistently have to pay uh, a tech salary. It's like, why did I go to law school? I should have just stayed developing. These guys make so much money. So finding a, a gal to be in-house or a guy to be in-house is going to be probably the next step. But the dev shop uh, that we're working with here, we absolutely love and, and they're great. So bootstrapping meant everything because it, it, we can keep some autonomy that we won't or wouldn't be able to down the road. I, and I think that's very overlooked. Now, I get it. If you really don't have access to enough money even to make a, an MVP or, you know, minimum viable product. I understand. So you need to go find money somewhere. But I think people overlook the fact if you immediately go for VC money or even angel investors of a certain ilk, you lose that autonomy and you, you, you might regret it later. Yes, funding is needed at some point, but you know, you think about that. I think a lot of people overlook that fact. Yeah. And the funding that we, in that round that we closed last year, the funding there was, I can truly say people who were incredibly mission focused. It wasn't a VC from Silicon Valley you know, or anyone outside of, I think one person was a Minnesota transplant to Georgia, but Minnesota folks um, who were really impacted by our mission and our team and what we're trying to do. Um, and so it's really important that the angel investors in that sense that came in, I always say, you know, barring one or two folks, it was people who were, would be at our weddings, right? <laughs> one or one or two people removed. Speaking of which, I don't know. I've never said this on any podcast. This is a, a hot take. I'm officiating Andre's wedding coming up here. Oh, this wow. Year. wow. So, <laughs> uh, so a lot of them, I'm sure, will be at that wedding. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. So you mentioned that users can pay either a monthly or an annual fee. But I know, too, you also are kind of going a B2B route, an enterprise route. How are you trying to get business that way? And I think specifically, you're encouraging companies and organizations to offer this to their employees as part of their DNI plan, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we always say it's it's three-pronged when we talk to those organizations. It's DEI, it's HR, and it's PR. So if you're offering this to your employees, it's, it's the first step of saying, hey, whether you are a person of color in the state of Minnesota or you are not and you live in Georgia, um, we think that having safety while you're in a vehicle, whether it's in a police pullover or in an accident, is really valuable and we value your safety employees are the most important assets of every company. And so when I sit down and talk to these people, I say, listen, you offer medical, dental, and pet insurance. Uh, let's extend that to offer a turn signal to all of them so they feel safe driving to or from work or the kids to a basketball tournament on a weekend. Um, and, and let's extend it to their family members, just like the other benefits so that their kids can drive safely every day. So it's really important work that businesses can be a part of, especially when so many, like I said earlier, voiced the desire to be a part of, of that change, right? Um, and I always say, if you're struggling to hire diversity, that is definitely a good piece of the mosaic is saying, you know, we do X, Y, and Z, including offering turn signal to all of our employees. So we've onboarded, I think, 10 companies or, or nine or 10 companies already onboarded. Everyone from iHeartRadio offers it to all their employees in Minnesota and several others. So it's exciting to see the movement. And then we've, you know, also partnered with Blue Cross Blue Shield and the Minnesota Vikings. So those partnerships uh, are really important and valuable here in the state of Minnesota. Let's talk about that. I, I saw that Blue Cross Blue Shield, there's a specific uh, neighborhood or area 
in the Minneapolis area that they're providing this? Is it to subscribers or just any residents of that area that Blue Cross is footing the bill on this? It's what we hope to be is the a full five year program, and this is the we the first year is for the one year pilot in the city of Brooklyn Center. So, um, folks listening to podcasts outside of Minnesota might not remember, but Dante Wright was a young man who was driving and pulled over, and an officer uh, who just recently was on trial uh, thought she was pulling her taser, uh, but it was her gun, and she shot and killed Dante Wright in the city of Brooklyn Center. Uh, and so, our pilot program with Blue Cross Blue Shield is in Brooklyn Center, and what we're doing is providing turn signal to every resident of Brooklyn Center at no cost to them. But it's a really robust full program where we've hired on a third-party organization that does market tracking into, so we can see the success of the program in community, uh, a leading uh, market research organization. And then we're also working with the police chief and the city manager really on the rollout. Like we say, it's not just idle words. We're trying to bridge the gap. And so we sat down with the city manager and the police chief and let them know what we're doing and let them know that we'd like them to be a part of some of the, the programming that we're doing in community. My, my team right now is actually at Brooklyn Center High School talking to the high school students. So again, a really robust program that we can proudly say is made possible by Blue Cross Blue Shield. They've identified racism as a public health crisis, and they know that this can help with everything from people's overall safety to people's, you know, ACEs scores, which are indicators, uh, really strong indicators of public health based on the stress that individuals feel as they're growing up. So really robust program. The Vikings uh, similarly sponsored memberships for folks who can't afford it here in the state of Minnesota. Uh, other companies have, have paid for entire high schools to have it. It's a really great opportunity. So uh, whether companies are providing to their employees or to community or both, uh, it's really a great opportunity. That's that's excellent, and that, that's that's really cool. So we've talked about adding other states. What are future plans do you have outside of just you know adding other jurisdictions? Adding more and more functionality with our technology is always important, and and more and more areas where we can reach folks. Uh, of course, New York is uh, less so driver-centric, at least in New York City. So when we go there, it'd be great to have a pedestrian solution. Things like that that we can expand on the product and give more and more uh, opportunities is is really important. And I think um, as we grow and we get into more states, we're also going to grow in the technology that we're offering uh, as well. So more states, maybe international as well. Last summer, I was on MSNBC and someone from Canada reached out and said, hey, I really like this in our you know, provinces up here. Can we talk about what it would look like to move it up there? So just more geographically and, and more technology and growth opportunities right now. And I should point out too, you know, I signed up for the app and was checking it out. Um, beyond just, you know, being a way to contact a to lawyer if you're getting pulled over. I mean, you have other sections on there, know your rights, you know, what the laws are. There's an educational component. Do you have plans to build that out more also, I assume? Absolutely. I'm actually... We're working right now, we're talking with the NBA, which is the National Organization of Black Lawyers, to say, hey, maybe we can build out an entire Know Your Rights program and platform that they can really lift up through our app as well so we can connect folks to that kind of knowledge. The more drivers know before they get into that situation, like as you alluded to, we have a Know Your Rights and a Do Your Do's and Don'ts tab. If you're sitting on the couch on a Saturday and reviewing that and know more about that or sit down with your kids and review it so they know more about it, it's a really good opportunity to, to help, again, start the process of making sure that interaction is as safe as possible. Obviously, at the end of every day, we don't, you know, this isn't a, a catch someone doing something wrong app. It's a make sure everything goes right app. I saw you said that uh, you like coaching youth sports and drinking beers from local breweries with your friends. So what, what beer? What beer do you, you liking up there in, in Minnesota? 
Oh my goodness. We have a, a brewery here called Surly. Uh, and Surly is a, it's a really great brewery. Uh, they have amazing pizza at the actual location that they have. And so the, the Surly Furious is my go-to beer right now. I even have one of their beers on tap in my house in a little kegerator back from college. So after we put our four-year-old, two-year-old, and uh, seven-month-old to bed, my wife and I can sit down and have a beer together. So that's absolutely that's where great. I go for sure. I will include a link to all the stuff we talked about, but definitely to Surly on the, on our episode page in the show notes too. <laughs> oh my gosh, maybe they, they yeah, can sponsor us for, yeah. that. <laughs> or just send us beer. Next, we'll, have, we'll do another one, just drink some beers together. Yeah. Hey, Jazz, thanks for your time today. Uh, if people want to find you, get a hold of you, learn more about Turn Signal, where do you want them to go? Absolutely. Go to our LinkedIn or Instagram pages. It's always Turn Signal spelled without the A. So T U R N S I G N L. Uh, so Turn Signal on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And personally, uh, my name is Jazz Hampton. You can find me on those platforms as well. Uh, we'd love to connect or just go to turnsignal.com and you can find everything from how to become an attorney on the platform to how to download for you and your family. Well, that's it for another episode of Technically Legal. As always, we really appreciate you listening. If you want to subscribe, you can catch us on most major podcasting platforms like Stitcher, Google, Apple, Spotify, etc., etc. If you like us enough, I hope you leave us a nice review. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at cmain at percipient.co. That's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Technically Legal.